Um, awesome. Hey, good morning. It is good to see you. Good to see your bright, smiling faces. Classes have started. Oh, we're all excited, right? You look forward to this all year. Hope, hope you guys are doing well, um, doing good in your classes. Uh, my name is Nino. My wife Tammy is over there, beautiful lady in the back. And uh, I'm the pastor of H2O. It's just really an honor to have you guys here. Thank you for joining us. Great to see some new people. I look forward to getting to know you and uh, hearing your story. Um, awesome. Good to see some familiar faces again. What a blessing. So um, we're going to get into the Word. I hope some of you here love God's Word. I do. Um, his Word is, is our bread. It's our sustenance. We live on His Word. It is good. And we're going to get into His Word here. I'm going to kind of do like sermon part two. So last week, um, I spoke on core groups. As you guys just heard, we have core groups in H2O. And I talked about how core groups are not an event, but they're a family. And even the church is not a building, but the church is a family. Some of you remember. If you don't remember, don't admit it. That's fine. But that was my message, how your core group is a family. And today, what I want to talk with you about is how a core group is a family, but it's not just a family. It's a family that's on mission. As a core group leader, as core group members, you have a mission from God. And what is that mission? That mission is none other than to make disciples of Jesus Christ right here at the University of Michigan and in the future, wherever God takes you. That is our mission. And so to have a healthy, strong core group, yes, you need to be a family, and it's awesome with community and friends. And, and we always say things like, you know a core group is a good core group when you make lifelong friends and they're in your wedding when you get married. And we've had that over the, over the years. And I think a lot of you here will say, yeah, I bet some of these women in my core, some of these men in my core will stand up in my wedding one day, hopefully sooner than later. Amen, Dakota? <laughs> Hallelujah. We got about one month left. Whoa. So um, a core group, and we, we love to have fun in H2O, and, and the church is a family. But a family that doesn't have a mission is just too inward focused. Does that make sense? It's, it's like it has to have an outlet, and that outlet is the mission, and the mission is to make disciples. And so today I'm going to talk about how your core can learn some principles about being on mission from a man named Philip the Evangelist. Philip the Evangelist in Acts chapter 8. We're going to look at that, and, uh, and I pray that this will inspire you as, as your core tries to step out in this. Let me say a prayer with you real quick, um, and then we're going to look at Acts 8. Uh, if you're going to read along with me, that's fine. You could open it up. We're going to be in Acts chapter 8, just a few verses, but man, really powerful passage for us today. So let me open in prayer. We'll jump into the, the message. So Father, thank you for community. Thank you for small groups. Thank you for these disciple makers that have given their life to lead small groups. And I pray that today you will come by your Holy Spirit and inspire us, equip us, and motivate us to go on mission together, to be core groups that are committed to one another and also committed to those that don't know Christ yet. So God, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And we ask that you will open our hearts to this message. I pray that you'll use me to do more than speak an eloquent speech, 
but to be anointed with your uh, blessed Holy Spirit. That's what I want. So, God, we give this time to you, and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, did you find Acts 8? Acts 8, verse 26. I'm going to read the passage, and then we're going to go down and break it verse by verse. But let's just read the whole passage to give you an overview. This is Acts 26 through verse 38. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he arose, and he went. There was an Ethiopian, Yoel, Yafet, getting excited here. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, don't get excited about that, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet. And he asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading is this. Like a sheep, he was led to slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Okay, let's stop there. What an amazing story. Just incredible. And I want to try to break it down verse by verse and apply it to your life as a core group member or as a core leader, just really as a Christian in general. We're going to start in verse 26. Look at that with me. It says this, An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Number one, angels are real. And I don't have time this morning to elaborate this point, um, though it would be amazing to talk about it. But the spiritual realm is real. And there are angels all around. There are also demons all around. And we are in a spiritual battle. This is real life. This is true. There are angels, and angels are messengers from God. And um, as, as a core group on mission, you have to pray. This is, a, this is a spiritual battle you're in. And if anything, that I just hope that this can inspire you to pray, because that's the first step of going on mission. And as I said, I can't elaborate on angels, because we could do, like, multiple sermons on angels, which would be really cool. But just suffice to say, 
angels are real. And an angel came and he spoke to Philip. And he told him to go somewhere very interesting. Did you catch what he told him to do? Philip is an evangelist. Philip's trying to win souls. He told him to go to the desert. The desert. Now, the last I checked, deserts don't have many people. I was just in Phoenix, Arizona this summer, and we drove from Phoenix to Flagstaff. We went through all this desert, and there was not many people. I remember looking around thinking, how does anybody live here, man? This is dry. There's no water. He said, go to the desert. And I want you to, to understand that if you want to be on mission, sometimes the Lord is going to ask you to do strange things and to go to places that don't make sense to you. And if you're willing to obey him, as you'll see in a second, as Philip did, God will do amazing miracles. I remember when the Lord asked me to do something very strange, and I did not want to obey. Um, it's a really interesting story, so stay with me. But Tammy was not feeling good, which is rare because she, like, never goes to the doctor. But we went to the urgent care because she was just not feeling good. And, like, I said, you really need to go in, you know. And she'd gone to the doctor once in, like, 10 years or something. She's just healthy. So we took her in. She goes in to see the doctor. And we're in the room, and he's doing his, you know, conversation exam, asking questions. And the Lord put on my heart, as I looked at him, the Holy Spirit said, pray for this man. And I said, that's weird, Lord. I died. What do you mean? We're at a doctor's appointment. I mean, my wife's sick. He's trying to help her. I'm like, Lord, really? I mean, I'm just trying to be real with you because that, that was my initial response. Like, it's not that I didn't want to, but he was, he said, Philip, go to the desert. Why? There's nobody there. Nino, pray for this man. Why? He's a doctor and we're trying to figure out what's going on with Tammy. So you know what I did? I didn't pray. And I just kind of chickened out. And we carried on in the appointment and five minutes, 10 minutes later, did a great job. And I just cannot stop thinking about this. The Holy Spirit is just really on me. And I said, oh, Lord, it's, it's almost like, give me a sign and I'll pray. It's like, what do, why do I need a sign? He already said pray, but I'm sitting there waiting. And I remember this vividly. And I don't know if you remember it, Tammy, but I, I remember this vividly. He looked at us and he asked this question. Um, is there anything else I can do for you? Do you have any questions? He just looked at me. And the Lord said, now. And I said, okay. I actually, I do. And this is going to be kind of weird. I said, we're Christians. And I felt like the Holy Spirit wants me to pray for you. Is there anything we can pray about? Well, he said, actually, kind of been having a hard time with my, in my family. And he shares, starts going off sharing. I said, let me pray. And so Tammy and I just prayed for him. We get done, and it was 20-second prayer. I get done, I open my eyes. He can't even talk. He's crying, sobbing. He gets up and walks out of the room on us. He comes back a few minutes later. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not supposed to, you know, I'm supposed to be professional. I'm not supposed to do this with patience, but just pre really appreciate you guys praying for me. Thank you. See, when you're willing to obey the Lord and go to places that seem weird, to do things that seem strange, God will do miracles if you obey. And the Lord said to Philip, go to this place, which is the desert, and let's see what Philip did. Well, look at verse 27. Let's put it up on the screen. Well, you know what he did? He arose and he went. I love Philip. That's Philip the evangelist. Says, okay, angel, you said go, I go. So he went, 
And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch of the court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. Now, let's stop there. You're not going to understand this unless we go into a little bit of the history, but the Ethiopian civilization is very ancient, and it was very powerful at the time, and it had great wealth. And this man that the Bible is speaking of is in charge of all the gold of Ethiopia. So the queen put him in charge of all her money. You run it for me. I trust you so much that you're in charge of all my gold, all my silver, all my land, every asset. This is the man, okay? This is him. Well, why is he there? Let's look at the passage. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. Wait a minute. He's not a Jew. At this point in time, God had revealed himself to Abraham and his descendants, and the Jews were the ones that were worshiping the holy one true God. But for some reason, this Ethiopian man had heard about the God of Abraham, and he had come to Jerusalem to join with them in worship. And sometimes during their religious festivals, other nations, pagan nations around them, would come to worship God. So he had come to Jerusalem to worship, verse 28, and he was, as he was returning, he was seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Okay, let's stop here just for a second. Now we're seeing that the angel wanted Philip to go because there was a spiritual seeker. There was a man that he was supposed to meet who wanted to know God. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship. He didn't know the fullness of God. He was still in a pagan nation at this point in time. Ethiopia later, of course, came to faith in Christ, and we won't get into that. But at this point in time, this man came to Jerusalem to join with the Jews to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and and Jacob. And, um, And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. There's two things I want you to... Two points I see so far in my sermon. If you want your core group to be on mission and to really make a difference for God, number one, we already talked about this, you have to be willing to obey the Holy Spirit when he tells you to do crazy things. And believe me, just ask him to. He will. Um, don't ask unless you're, you want to hear something because he'll tell you. And number two, I want you to understand there are thousands of students on this campus that are spiritual seekers. Don't believe the lie of the devil. Don't believe, oh, no one's interested. Oh, they're atheists. No one cares. That was weird. I didn't know what else to do. I kind of wanted to do something different that wouldn't maybe be right. But I wanted to say something. That's ridiculous. People are seeking God. Your generation wants to know. They do. Not everybody. I get that. They're all God's children. He loves them all. But not all of them are seeking, but many, many, many. And Welcome Week was so awesome. I went out with students on this campus. We had a great time. It's only at the beginning, too. It was so fun to talk to students and realize they're seeking truth. They're waiting for Phillips to come. Who will be that Philip? There are spiritual seekers all over this campus. And, um, and Philip found one. It was the Ethiopian eunuch. Let's go on. Verse 29. So now he sees him on his chariot, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Now let's stop just for a moment. It's easy to read the scriptures and not really think about what's happening, right? 
the way I'll try to explain this and the way that I see this and, and feel the impact of this passage is an experience I had in Ann Arbor once when a president was coming to speak at U of M. And I don't remember, if, I don't know if it was President Clinton, Bush, Obama, I don't remember, but it was a past president years ago. And the president was, flew into the airport and he was coming to Ann Arbor. I was going over the highway on the overpass and I happened to be going right when the caravan was coming. So they stopped us all. And I could look, so that no traffic could come over the overpass. And I looked, and there was like 20, 30 limousines coming with tons of police cars in front, tons, tons in back, FBI agents, all these helicopters in the air. And this huge presidential caravan was coming. All the windows were tinted out. It was sweet. And they do that so nobody knows which car the president is in, right, if somebody was there trying to assassinate him. And it gave me such a profound experience. Like, wow, you know, like, this is crazy. Uh, has anybody seen a presidential caravan before like that? You, you have. It has quite an impact, right? You're like, whoa, some, somebody important's coming, you know what I mean? And it's, it ain't me. You know, I'm just going to watch and enjoy it. And they came by going down I-94 to Ann Arbor. And then when it was clear, the police were like, carry on, and we went. Why am I telling you this? Because I want you to know when Philip went over to this caravan, this was a very important man, this Ethiopian. He was in charge of all the wealth of, of uh, Ethiopia. It wasn't a one-man show. It wasn't a dude walking in the dust. He was on a chariot. It was a regal procession. There were horses. There were soldiers. There were tons of people there. This is a very important, probably the second most important man in all of the kingdom of Ethiopia. Why am I painting this picture? Because the Lord spoke to a little Jewish guy who came to Jesus and said, go talk to him. Go interrupt the caravan. What would you do? What if you're walking on campus? You ever been walking on campus and you see like 30, 40 guys on the, on the steps of a fraternity and they're partying and they're having a great time. And they look so cool. And the Lord said, go preach Jesus to that one sitting right there. What would you do? I mean, that's just some frat guys. Who cares about them? This is, the, this is the second in command, right? And so the Lord spoke to, we see the angel told Philip to go to the desert. And now did you notice it's the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit now says, go talk to this man. And then look at what, what Philip did. I asked you what you would do if, you, if the Lord said to you to go preach to them. Well, what did Philip do in verse 30? He ran. He ran. He didn't walk. He didn't shuffle. He ran. All right. This is my time, you know. Here we go. What are you going to do? Kill me? I'm going to rise with my Lord. I just saw Jesus raised from the dead. And so he ran over to the chariot. And how cool is this in verse 30? And when he ran over, he heard this man reading the prophet Isaiah of course, that passage he's reading is about the Lamb of God, who is Jesus Christ. You can see the prophetic guidance, right, of the Holy Spirit here. And um, look what Philip um, does. He asked him, do you understand what you are reading? This is really important. When you engage people on campus, and, and, and students have been going out with you guys, and I, I look forward to doing more and more of this, you'll notice I try to really engage with questions. I like to ask questions. I don't like to come and lecture, right? Philip didn't come and lecture. He asked him a question. 
that's a great way to be on mission as a core. Meet a spiritual seeker and ask them a question, right? And, and he asked him a great question, pretty practical. Do you understand what you're reading? Because, you know, he's thinking, because if you don't, I do, and I can't wait to tell you about it. But let's not presuppose you don't know. Like, that's a humble question. Do you understand? And then this response from the Ethiopian leader is very powerful because it demonstrates the character of his heart. What did he say? How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This was a humble man. You know, very wealthy. He's in charge of all the wealth. But yet he was humble enough to say, how can I understand unless somebody helps me? And he was also hospitable. He said, come up in my chariot. Can you imagine that? Can you, here's the presidential caravan. Now, I don't suggest running up to a presidential caravan. Uh, that's not a good idea. You will be tackled at best case. You know what I mean? Do not do that. I mean, yeah, just don't do it, okay? I'm not going to say anything more. Don't do it. But he went up, and can you imagine, though, if you did, and the president opened the door and said, hey, hey, leave him alone. Come on in. The limo with me. Can you imagine that? That's what happened. Come on in. Come in my chariot. So why am I emphasizing this? There's a reason why. I want you to know there's spiritual seekers on this campus that are humble. They have a humble heart, right? Um, a lot of times you think about U of M and, and people think of arrogance and we're proud. I mean, we just won yesterday. It wasn't a very tough game. Um, unfortunately, Ohio State won. That's a bummer. But, um, you know, you can be proud of things like this, but I'm, I want you to know there are, there are young men and women on this campus, and uh, they're humble. They want to know truth. They're waiting for you. Will somebody tell me? Like, I, that was me when I was 17, 18. I just wanted someone to tell me about truth. And so it's, it's amazing. And um, I, I have never had the Holy Spirit ask me to go up to a chariot because I don't really see chariots anymore. But the Lord did ask me one time to go into a very strange place. And again, it was uncomfortable, but because I, I said, okay, I'll do it, the Lord did something amazing. I'll share that story with you. This is kind of a dramatic story. Most stories are just kind of normal. Like, I mean, Tessa and I were out sharing Christ in front of the chem building, met a great young lady, had a great conversation with her, and... Uh, it wasn't necessarily dramatic, but, man, we got to talk for, like, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Prayed for her right there on the diag. I mean, you did a great job. It was amazing. We talked about, talked about sports, talked about school, but we talked about Jesus. Amazing. That's usually what it means to be a core group on mission, meeting everyday people. But every once in a while, you will get these Philip stories. And they're, they're fun. They're crazy. Great to talk about, I'll tell you. I was in front of Good Time Charlie's. It was a Friday night. Uh, I wasn't there to party. I was there to talk about Jesus. So I was with some Christians from Chi Alpha, and we were talking to people about Jesus. I got on a bench. I started talking about the Lord. And, you know, people were like, some people were mocking me, whatever, and other people were listening. But it was fun just to be there and to talk about the Lord. And I shared my story, how Jesus saved me from alcohol and drugs and this world and put his love in my heart. It was fun. I was just having a great time. We were talking about the Lord. As I'm standing there, I'm going to stand here. Don't scare. Don't be scared, okay? I'm standing here like this. 
I hear, Nino! And I look, it's Chris Wardwell. Well, you don't know who Chris Wardwell is, but I do, because he was my party buddy from high school. He didn't go to U of M. He went to Michigan State. Boo. Just kidding, Sasha. No, yay. Go green. Go away. Um, so he was at Michigan State. I didn't expect to see Chris. Chris Wardwell, who I, I mean, I've been in his house many, many times. We'd hung out. A good friend of mine. He's like, Nino. I go, Chris. He goes, what are you doing? I said, telling people about Jesus. I became a Christian. He's like, oh, I'm here with some friends in the bar. He, he's like, come on. Come in here. He's a little clueless about things. Uh, do you see what's happening here? But uh, so I got down, and he's like, come on in. I'll introduce you. And my first thought was, can I go in there? Because, I mean, I came out of that world, and I, I was like, I, I mean, it just reminded me of how I lived for, for several years. And like, do I want to be in a bar right now? And again, the Holy Spirit just prompted me, go with Chris. Go in the bar. So I get out my wallet, show my ID. Thank God I was old enough to get in. Um, and uh, I walk in, and he introduces me. And, and his friends were at a table that was in front of the window at Good Time Charlie's, and they could see me. So they knew they brought in the crazy guy. So he's like, what is Chris doing? Chris brings the crazy student in. So I went in, and I sat down, and we're just talking. And his friends are partying, whatever. He's introducing me. And then there was a, a young lady to my right, I think it was. Yeah, it was my right side. And she's, she's crying. She's teared up. And she said, I, I'm a Christian, and I'm, I'm not living right the way I'm supposed to be living. Um, I saw what you're doing. You know, can you help my friends? I said, I, I don't know. Can I help your friends? I mean, they need God. I don't know what I can. She's like, no, you need to help them. I'm like, I mean, I can try. She goes, okay, shut up, shut up, everybody, shut up. I'm not, this is, I'm not embellishing this. Quiet. She goes, now tell him. And I didn't know what to say, but um, I felt like the Lord in that moment just put in my heart. And it's amazing. If you're a core group on mission, I'm telling you, God will give you words to say, right? He'll, he'll, he'll guide you. And in that moment when I didn't know what to say, I just felt like the Lord said, share your story. Just tell him what you did. And I said, hey, um, I totally get what you, how you guys are living. And Chris will tell you, that's how we, we partied together all the time. And I shared how I met Jesus. And I wish I could tell you they all fell to their knees right there in good time Charlie's and prayed to receive Jesus Christ, and we baptized them. That didn't happen that night. But they heard, right? They heard the message. And so um, I, I want to tell you that story because I just want to demonstrate that if you're willing to go up to that person, to go in that awkward situation, to do, to talk to that student sitting next to you in chemistry, right? To reach out to that, that girl in engineering that's sitting alone that no one's talking to. If you just listen to the Holy Spirit and do that, God will do amazing things. He did it through Philip, and he'll do it through you. Now, let's look at verse uh, 36. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. 
Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. What an awesome testimony. Amen? There are spiritual seekers. And how would you like to see that in your core group this year? I know you do. I know you want to see this. And you will, too, if you will step out as Philip did. We will see amazing testimonies. Let me sum up with you um, kind of some nuggets, some takeaway. And, uh, and then we're going to actually have a great student testimony. Of, uh, from a, a wonderful young lady that God has really worked in her life uh, in a powerful way. So um, let me just sum up what we've learned from this passage from Philip. Number one, as a core group on mission, you have to be willing to um, obey the Holy Spirit even when it doesn't make sense. He went to the desert. You need to be willing to go to the desert. Number two, you have to understand that there's spiritual seekers on this campus. They're humble. They want to know God. They're just waiting for somebody to tell them. Somebody. Will it be you? Who's going to tell them? Number three, as a core group on mission, you got to be willing to get up in the chariot. you got to be willing to run to those awkward situations. When you're in class, when you're walking down the street, and the Lord says, do this, you got to be willing to, to get awkward, okay? Be awkward. Like, I, I've been awkward many times. Ask my family. Number four. As a core group, and I didn't really emphasize this point, but I, I do want to emphasize this. As a core group, you need to stick to preaching Jesus. Do you, do you remember how it says in the passage that he got up in the chariot and he shared the good news of Jesus Christ with this man? When you're witnessing to students on campus, try to avoid all these secondary conversations, you know? They'll take you through political rabbit trails, cultural rabbit trails. And it's not that we as a Christian can't address these things. We can, but you always want to bring it back to Jesus, right? When I'm talking to students, I'm always trying to bring it back to Jesus. Like, well, I heard Christians believe blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, okay, we can talk about that, but let's talk about Jesus Christ right now, the person of Jesus in you, right? I'm trying to bring it back to Jesus. Does that make sense? Because if you go down that and get distracted, and you'll never come back. And Philip preached the good news of Jesus. And then five, the fifth thing for all of you who are taking notes in your mind and on your phone, uh, as a core group on mission, you must call people to faith in Jesus Christ like, like he did. He called them to faith, and he said, I do believe. And that man was baptized. So it's not just a you know, conversation, and, but it's calling them to that decision. Do you want to be baptized? Do you want to receive Christ? And if you will step out in this, we'll see God do amazing things. And like I said, we have so many uh, great stories of students. Um, of course, today we have the honor of having Yu Ning share. And uh, Yu Ning is going to come on down. I can invite you, Yu Ning. Yu Ning is a blessing, and uh, God's done a great work in her life. And we've asked her to kind of share her story a little bit with you. And uh, can we all give a big H2O welcome for Yu Ning? You're going to do great. Thank okay. you. Thanks for sharing. Okay. My name is Yuni, and I have a script on my phone, so I won't forget it. <laughs> okay. My name is Yuni, and I'm an international master's student from Taiwan. And I came to know the core group through my friend, and I started joining the core group since last October. 
And at first, I know no one in the group, and however, everyone in the group is very friendly to me, hospitalized to me, and beyond my expectation. They care about me, asking how I feel, my opinion. This is beyond my expectation, and I was very surprised. Why these people want to know more about me, even though I'm just an international student with poor English? And um, they illustrate things more times for me to join them, which makes me very feel warm. And I cannot imagine this because I cannot give them back anything since I'm just a poor student. So I was started to curious about the religion and started joining the family time every Saturday, if I'm available. So I think every Saturday is a good time for every brother and sister to get together, not only reading the Bible together, and also growing spiritually. Yeah, and uh, have the strength to work together, to have the strength to work hard in the next week, and also good food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm not just a beginner Christian, so this is my thought of the importance of core group. And I just baptized this May, um, May 15th, very specific date. <laughs> yeah, and so I think that uh, baptism is a ritual, but the importance is that you have to stake your heart in Jesus and follow the Jesus steps. Yeah, and this is my testimony. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you did great. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, so, boy, thank you, core groups, for loving on you, Ning, and thanks, you, Ning, for sharing. And uh, so glad to see what Jesus is doing in you. And uh, she was baptized in May. I'm telling you, this campus is filled with people that need the Lord. Amen. And let's be core groups on mission, a family, but on mission. And uh, we're going to see God do amazing things. Proud of you guys. Thanks for all you're doing, core group members, leaders. It's an exciting year. It's been fun. Um, why don't we close with some worship? Can we just kind of celebrate what God has done in Yuning and all of us? Let's worship the Lord together. Can we stand up? We're going to go out with a song of worship, and let's give ourselves to him to be uh, his instruments to this campus.